All right. You ready, Ben? We're good. All right. So how was that, that, how was that prayer thing for you guys? Was that all right? Yeah? Like, that, that was really cool for me. That wasn't planned. I think that was just something God was doing with us. And uh, feels, it feels right to pray for our community and for our nation and for our world. Does it not? I mean, like, to kind of, it, it does. It feels right. Um, we're going to keep this series going. I'm, I'm loving, loving, loving this series that we're doing uh, in the, through the Lord's Prayer and, and on prayer right now. And uh, tonight we're, we're, at the, we're at a line, which I guess is almost midway through the prayer. But uh, before we jump into that, we, we took our son, Nathan. Uh, he had a, a baseball tryout last night. We're trying to get Nathan onto a, a, a year-round baseball team because he's he just loves this sport, and so we've been trying to figure this out for a while. And so last night we had the opportunity to take him to a, a tryout, just him and the two coaches. And as they're trying him out, they're 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 putting him at all the different positions, and they're everything. And then they're having him bat, and then they're having him pitch. They're having him do everything. And then the coach has him do this very very strange uh, drill. And he says, he shows Nathan, and he says, now here's what I want you to do. I, I want you, you know, this is your glove hand, this is your the ball, hand in the ball. And he says, I want you to, to spread your legs like this. And he says, I want you to stand like this, like a scarecrow. And then I just want you to, to shift your hips and pivot and throw to the, to the catcher. And so he just has him doing this thing. And, and I grew up playing baseball. I played baseball my whole life, but I had never seen this before. And I just thought, this is the weirdest thing. But he just has him standing like this and then throwing and standing like this and throwing and when, when he was done, the coach comes over and, and he says, did you guys see the scarecrow exercise? And I said, yeah, I've, I've never seen that before. He says, well, uh, you know, I had Nate pitch a few times. And he says, I noticed that he, he definitely has the potential to be a pitcher. He says, but pitching is unlike any other, um, uh, uh, it's like unlike any other position in any other sport. Because when you're a pitcher, you actually use this muscle. Uh, I don't know why I'm turning around because it. I've got a shirt on. It doesn't really. So there's this muscle that runs right down the middle of your back, like right down the middle of your back, and it, where your shoulder. I'm showing you where your shoulder blades come together. And he says that there's no other time that you truly use this muscle other than when a pitch, when you're pitching a baseball. And he says so. As as these little league pitchers come in, we we regularly do this drill. And he says the whole idea is that we build this muscle that is rarely used for anything else. And we just build it and we build it and we build it during the offseason so that when it's time for the season, our pitchers have more velocity, they have more accuracy, uh, they, they've really come a long way. And so ultimately, all that's to say that this little exercise is designed to form and to shape this one muscle within a child or within a, a pitcher so that when it's time to actually get on the mound, they're able to throw with great velocity and great accuracy because you're never going to see a pitcher get on the mound like this, right? I mean, that would just be stupid. It's like, they will never do that. Now, keep that in mind. They will never do this in a game of baseball. And yet, coach is going to have them do this over and over and over and over and over again so that when they get to the game, they, they have naturally what they need in order to throw the ball. So I would suggest, um, with, with great enthusiasm, that prayer is a lot like the scarecrow. Prayer truly, truly is a formative 
process. And, and I say this, I am, I'm loving what we're talking about because I have struggled with prayer my whole life. I have struggled with prayer. Because I've told you this before, but I get into it and I tell God all the things I need. And then, you know, I always heard preachers tell me, you know, make sure you tell God all the things you need, but then make sure you listen, you know, to God. And, and so I'd, I'd tell him all the things I need and then I would listen. And then after about, you know, six or seven seconds, I was kind of like, he's not really saying much. And so I'm out the door and, 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 and then I, I would feel guilty for not being a better prayer or whatever it might be. And, and I'm coming to realize more and more that prayer is truly a formative process. I've been taught forever, and I have taught people forever, that God, it, it doesn't matter to God how you pray. And I would agree. I still believe that. It does not matter to God how you pray. I would suggest today, though, that it does matter to you and for you how you pray. Because I really think that prayer is like the scarecrow. It is a formative process. It is the way in which we, we are formed in our soul, our spirit, our mind, our body as we are moving through life. You know, we pray to pursue mystery. We pray to listen. We pray to respond. We pray to follow. We pray to know Christ. We pray, again, I would suggest to be formed. To be formed. We pray because we don't know how to live. I mentioned this last week, but the truth of the matter is we don't know how to live. I mean, I, the, 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 the greatest or, or the most frequent conversations I have as a pastor with, with people today, but this dates back, I mean, after being... Um, uh, kind of serving in this, this role for, for 16 years now, the greatest conversation is, you know, I don't know what to do. And people will come and, and, and like, um, and then my response is usually, I don't know what you should do either. And I'm okay with that response because my desire as a pastor is not to tell you what to do. My desire is to help you or whomever it is find our way to the Holy Spirit and learn how we might hear this Holy Spirit directing our steps on what to do. And I would suggest that it always becomes easier the more we are being formed regularly in, in prayer, in conversation, in, in relationship with God and who God is. So I would say to us that we don't know how to live. We don't know how to live well. We don't know how to live rightly. We pray because we recognize as human beings that there is a being greater than us. We recognize that there is a source greater than us. There is a power greater than us. And we recognize as followers of Jesus Christ, as Christians, that that source, that power, we, we've, it has a name, and it's God, as Father, Son, and Spirit. And so we pray to know Father, Son, and Spirit. We pray we worship. We, we, sometimes we even force ourselves. I, even tonight, you know, we force ourselves to worship like the psalmist says. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Like I'm actually commanding my soul to bless the Lord. I'm saying to my soul, soul, bless the Lord. Why? Why, why do I have to tell my soul to bless the Lord? Because I don't naturally just go bless the Lord. I don't naturally go praise the Lord. And so I say, soul, bless the Lord. Soul, Come back and recognize that there is a greater power. There is a greater being. There is a, a greater essence. There is, there is an almighty, beautiful, wonderful, merciful, gracious creator. Soul, you're not, you're not the center of the universe. 
So there is, there is a beautiful God. And so I will bless the Lord. I will, and I, I will praise the Lord. And in doing so, I will be shaped. I will be formed. It's the same with prayer. And so in this, this prayer that Jesus gives us, the Lord's Prayer, remember again, my goal here is not that you would go pray the Lord's Prayer every day for the rest of your life, though <laughs> I've been praying the Lord's Prayer every day for the last uh, year or so, and I'm actually, especially in this series, I'm realizing that there is great beauty and power now that I'm slowing it down. But there's a framework here. There's a framework that Jesus is giving us. And so we've started Our Father, Our Father. This, our Father, once again, speaks that God is a good God. Remember, now, we're, we're tracing things back through Scripture, so I'm not going to unpack all this again. You, you can listen to the, the podcast. But that God is a good God who is leading people, his people, out of darkness and into the light. God is redeeming and rescuing the world. That's what the Jews understood when Jesus said, pray, our Father. And then, hallowed be your name. Your name is sacred. Your name is beautiful. You are one who is to be represented by your people. We represent your name. And may we not attach your name to things that don't reflect you. May we not attach your name to all of our causes and all of our wants and all of our desires and all of our wars and all of our arguments and all of our whatever... May we not profane the name of the Lord by attaching God's name to things that are not of God. That's what, that's what, that's what God means when he says, don't take the name, my name in vain. He doesn't mean, don't say, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Even though that might be, it might be part of it, but that's not, that's what I was taught growing up. Oh my God, don't take the name of the Lord in vain. But then we could do all kinds of crazy stuff with our lives and be like, you know, well, the Lord told me this is okay. <laughs> it's like, I don't understand that. Like that. I don't see how the Lord would ever tell you that sleeping with someone that's not your wife was okay. You see? I've heard it. I've heard it. Does that make sense to you? That's profaning the name of the Lord. And then we get to this place. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is huge. (laughs) This is huge. This is huge. I mean, this is a big deal. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now check this out, because just like this, Jesus takes the prayer to a whole new perspective. Jesus does not say, when you turn to Matthew 6, and and they say, Jesus, the disciples, Jewish men, Jesus, teach us how to pray. Jesus does not respond. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Bless our nation. No, he says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. He doesn't say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, protect my family. No, he doesn't say that. He says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Is it wrong to say, bless or protect my family? No, that's not that's wrong. Is it wrong to say, bless the, my nation? No, that's not wrong. But the prayer is bigger that Jesus is giving to us. Your kingdom come. See, there's this thing about Christianity, and it is. I, I do love this so much because I, I, I've mentioned to you a few times that I, I, do, I have a friend who's, who's a Buddhist, and we've been spending a lot of time together. And I just, one of the things that I'm realizing more and more, especially about Christianity, is that Christianity is truly grounded. There is an earthiness 
to Christianity. There is, there is a very tangible element. It's not just a religion for the spirit. This is not just a spiritual um, well-being kind of thing that Jesus is doing. But you see, human beings, we are body, we are soul, we are spirit, we are mind. We're, we're all of this stuff. We are integrated beings. That's why next week Jesus says, and also when you pray, pray that you know, God would provide for you. Like He actually narrows, he brings the prayer down to bread. Ask for bread. Because it's earthy, it's tangible, it, 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 it applies to every component and aspect of our lives. It deals with all of it. And Jesus, he's not inviting us, this is so important for us, but listen, he's not inviting us just to think good ideas about him. Jesus does not invite us just to think good things about Jesus. Jesus doesn't invite us just to think or feel deeply for Jesus. And this is where Christians get this thing really confused. Well, yeah, you know, I, sure, I, I believe that Jesus is this or Jesus is that. Or, or sure, I, I, I love Jesus. You know, I feel deeply for Jesus. I'm, I'm glad Jesus died, uh, you know, and, and got himself killed for me and, and, and forgave me. For, like, I, I feel deeply about that. But see, Jesus, there's something else bigger going on that, that Jesus wants more than that. Jesus is actually saying, I want you to actually be a part of what I'm doing. I want you to step into this. Don't just think well of me and and don't just think deeply here, but I'm calling you to join my kingdom. And so when we pray these words, your kingdom come, we're actually acknowledging that faith in Jesus is not just an emotion, it's not just an idea, but it's something that we're being invited deeply into. It's a life. And we're acknowledging Here's, here's where this is for the kingdom. We're acknowledging that the kingdom of God is a very real concrete thing. Now think about this. In, in the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus went out to the desert, and when he was out in the desert after his baptism, he was tempted by the Satan. That's how the scripture says it, the, the adversary. And it says that at one point, the Satan takes Jesus up to the highest point, and he says to Jesus, he says, bow down to me, and I will give you rule over all the kingdoms of the world. And it's an interesting thing, but you could almost see this, get this picture in your head. It's almost as Jesus is like, no, I'm good. I'm just, you know what I'm going to do instead? I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to create and, and implement my own kingdom. Like, you can have those kingdoms of the world because the truth is they're, they're, a bit, they're a bit skewed. They're a bit thwarted. The way those systems, think system. When you think kingdom, think system. The way those systems work, it's, you know, those systems work like when it's tit for tat. <laughs> you do this to me, I'll do this to you. you know? Those systems work, you know, the way you get ahead is by manipulating and clawing your way to the top and throwing anyone under the bus that you need to. And, you know, like, those are the kingdoms of the world. You can keep those kingdoms. I'm just going to implement my own kingdom. I'm going to do my own thing. It's going to be based off of love and mercy and peace and forgiveness and grace and beauty and kindness and patience and all these amazing things. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to implement that kingdom. And then when I leave this desert place after this fast. I'm going to go down and I'm going to invite people to to be a part of my kingdom. That's what I'm going to do. 
And that's exactly what Jesus does. He goes down from the, 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 the desert, or, or he leaves the desert. He goes and he starts preaching. What was his first sermon? It's in the book of Matthew. He says, repent, which simply means turn around, for the kingdom of God is here. The system of God is here. The way of living according to God as king is here. Like, come be a part of this. Come be a part of this. And now if God's kingdom is not of this world. Now this is where, I know this, gets, this is kind of like esoteric and it gets kind of confusing, but think systems once again. See, the world system is filled with boundary markers. Have you noticed that it's very hard in the world? You are either, you are either, well, there are clear distinctions. You are black or you are white. You're male or you're female. You are either black lives matter or blue lives matter. But see, the world, <laughs> however this happens, the world won't let you be both. There's got to be a wall. You are either a Christian or a Muslim or a Buddhist or, or whatever. You, you are. There are these clear dividing lines in our society. It's all over the place. Just find it. If you're having trouble finding it, just open up Facebook. You'll find it right away. And that's one of the parts of the system of the world. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm, I'm, obliterating, I'm obliterating boundary markers. I'm obliterating boundary markers. And then what happens... Now, I really, I, I really want you to think, think and process this together with me. You know, because then what happens is we have our division lines. And then on, and on our planet... Nations all around the world will go setting up their boundary markers and then we will literally fight to the death to protect those boundary markers. But God's kingdom obliterates the boundaries. I mentioned to you the first week of this series that one of my favorite scholars said that only the most mature Christian can truly pray the Lord's Prayer and mean every word of it. Now think this through. Because what we're saying here is that when Jesus says, your kingdom come, he's saying the kingdom of God obliterates all the boundary lines. The kingdom of God obliterates this dog-eat-dog type of system. The kingdom of God says that sometimes it is better to, to self-sacrifice and self-serve, or that it's always better to self-sacrifice and self-serve than to throw someone else under the bus. The kingdom of God says that forgiveness is better than holding a grudge. The kingdom of God says that reconciliation is better than losing relationship. The kingdom of God says that kindness and mercy are better than the alternatives. The kingdom of God says that generosity is better than greed. And the beauty of this is that you don't have to participate in the kingdom of God. Like this isn't like, this isn't like, oh man, I begrudgingly have to do this. This is more like Jesus is saying, listen, there is a better way. And I just, Jesus says, I want you to know that generosity is better than greed. Because greed will get its claws in you. And at first it seems wonderful, but eventually greed will suck the life out of you. Generosity is a better more beautiful way to live. That's why it's part of my kingdom. 
Same with kindness and patience. And the kingdom of God is open to everyone with no consideration of the world's boundaries. So when we pray, your kingdom come, listen, friends, this is what we're doing. We're actually asking that there would be a collision between heaven and earth. Now, hang with me for just a minute more because we're, we're going we're gonna to wrap this together. But a lot of times when, we, when people pray, your kingdom come, there's this, the, uh, there's this far off thought and, and it's, I've, I've actually heard Christians pray the prayer, your kingdom come, which for them, many of them, it's a, Jesus, make this world like go faster so that you'll come back and your kingdom will be here. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, no, right here in the middle of your everyday, ordinary, going to work, going to dinner, hanging out with your kids, going to the gym, checking out the movies, going to worship together. In the middle of this life, I am praying your kingdom come, which means your system, your rule, your reign, your way of doing life. Let it come and invade this space right here. Which means now, if I'm actually praying your kingdom come, in my life and in our community of faith and in our community, I must now be willing to say, okay, well, what does that mean? What does that mean for how I help provide for those who are hungry? What does that mean for how I now help for those, provide for those who are, who are being pushed out of neighborhoods because of, of, of gentrification and these kinds of things? How, how do I now help to be a part of the solution? How do I help to bring about the things that are beautiful and wonderful and of God? See, it's a big prayer all of a sudden. This isn't just like me sitting on my sofa saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. Help me forgive this one person, even though that's part of it. But this is like, no, right here. That's why tonight we can't stop just praying for our life. And if we're going to pray for our nation, which we should, we can't stop there. We, We can't stop there. Because this isn't the only nation that God is passionate about. Because he's passionate about every single one of them. And so he says, pray your kingdom come. I would say the, 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 the best way that I could think of it is this week at the DNC. And the first night. You know, and, and, and the DNC is going on, the, the Democratic National Convention, and, 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 and um, you know, everybody's there, and they're, they're chant, chanting Hillary, 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 and, and there's, this, there's this group of Bernie supporters, and they, they will not let it go. I mean, it's, it was a big deal, and, and as I'm watching it, I, it th- you could almost think of it this way. There is a group of people who understand that... If Hillary Clinton gets into office, she is going to bring with her her ways. She will bring her policies. She will bring her ideas. She will bring her nominees for positions. She will bring, it will be Hillary's way. And there's this group that's like, we don't want to bow down to her way. We line ourselves up with Bernie till the end. Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. I would suggest that this is very much 
like what we're, we're talking about when it comes to the kingdom of God. It's, the, it's this idea that Jesus is saying there's this whole group of people who line up with the way the world operates. They just fall in line. They just fall in line. And, 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 and they fall in line with where, however they were raised, whatever nation they're part of, they just fall in line. And I, Jesus, am saying to you, be the people over here who are saying, I'm not just falling in line with that system. I'm falling in line with this, this king, this ruler. And I understand that along the way, it might, it might call for something. It might recall for greater generosity. It might call for greater extensions of forgiveness. It might call for more laying down my life to take on the life over here. It might call for more serving other people. It might call for, but you know what, this these are the policies. These are the, this is the, the rule of life that I want to line up under. That's the invitation. That's what Jesus is saying. Your kingdom come. And so this is what he teaches us. May your will be done. May your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. May your will be done in our church as it is in heaven. May your will be done in mid-city as it is in heaven. May your will be done in the U.S. as it is in heaven. May your will be done throughout the world, as it is in heaven. And then, all we have to do is pray the prayer and sit back and just wait for it to happen, right? Wrong. See, this is the other tricky part about Jesus. Jesus has this funny thing. There's this other story in Matthew where Jesus says, he says to the disciples, pray that the Lord would send people out to the har- to harvest. And so the disciples go off and they pray and they come back. And Jesus says, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been answered. You guys, go. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, it's the greatest trick in the book. <laughs> like, guys, go pray about it. Come back. Oh, you are, you are the answer to the prayer. You see? You and I are the answer to the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. How is that going to happen? Listen, the kingdom, and we'll talk about more about this as the, the election gets closer, but the kingdom is not, the kingdom of God is not coming to America through Hillary or Donald or Gary Johnson or uh, uh, Joe uh, uh, Stein. Like, the kingdom of God is not coming to America through any of those people because all of those people are running a kingdom of the world system. It, that's, it is what it is. The kingdom of God is experienced and expressed in America, and in Mid-City, and in your house, and around the globe, right here. This is it. This is it. (laughs) And then we look around, and I'm sometimes kind of like, when I think about myself in this, I'm like, oh, surely God could have done better than this with me, not you. But then I'm like, well, but you know what? This is what God does, and that's the beauty of it. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? So here we go. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then he says, good, let's do that. Let's go. Let's work it together. Let's figure this out. Let us be. Let us be the answer to the prayer. And Jesus knew that. I mean, he, he knew that when he taught the disciples to pray this way. So, as we conclude this, when we pray this prayer, we are, we're signifying our citizenship in a different kingdom. When we pray this prayer, this is, this is a loaded prayer. It is loaded. Because when we pray this prayer, we're, we're swearing our allegiance to this kingdom. 
And we swear our allegiance to this kingdom above any other kingdom. Your will be done. Yours, God. Your will be done. And so tonight, we're going to reflect on this with with one more song. And also, I want to do one other thing this evening. I really want to, uh, I want to be able to, if anyone wants prayer, I want to really be able to pray for one another. Because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is, is amazing in, in the fact that God is desiring to break in. God's rule and God's reign breaks in, comes in. It, 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 it ebbs and flows through all aspects of our lives. And the more that you and I personally experience the Holy Spirit and the presence of God's kingdom being worked out in us, then the more we, we are able to move and see the kingdom of God worked out in the lives of others around us. And so, you know, I, I was having a conversation with someone uh, a few weeks ago, and um, one of the things that we really do over the next couple of weeks, months, whatever, I really want to be able to build within our community while we're small, a true value for asking in cooperation with one another. Asking God, God, would you come into this situation? Would you give us eyes to see what you're doing in this situation in this person's life? God, this person is sick. Would your kingdom come and your will be done, and would you bring healing to this person now? Would you bring peace? Would you bring comfort? Would you bring an experience of your presence here and now? And one of the simplest ways I know to do that in a church worship gathering thing is, is just to ask anyone who desires to be prayed for and, and, and just have other brothers and sisters pray for you. The, only, the, the easiest way I know is to say just come up and let two people pray for you. And we're, just so you know, like when we pray for each other, we're, we're as laid back as we are when I'm preaching on a Saturday night, okay? Like it doesn't get weird all of a sudden. And like people don't start speaking in weird voices or shouting or like yelling words you don't know. And if they do, come tell me because that's just weird. Like we don't need to be weird. We just need to be like, hey, God, could you come and be present in this in this space? So I'm going to pick up the guitar. Christy, do you have a few people to help us in this area? All right.